Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And today's a day I've been looking for for a while because we have about five-sevenths of our normal Hyperborea game group here with us. And we're going to talk about astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea. I think most of you listeners have met our first guest or our first host, Light. Light, how are you? Doing great. Super excited to be talking about this game because this is the game that I normally uh, dungeon master or game master for. So Light has been running this for, it hasn't been two years yet, but I think it's coming up on two years in the fall or, or winter. I'm yeah, not sure when it started. It's, it's coming around two years, right around after Thanksgiving. I think we started beginning of December in 2019, approximately. The next person we have with us is Baracha. Hello, everyone. Baracha is uh, plays with us every week, and Baracha started playing this game with us when we started meeting in person pre-COVID. We also another person who started with us in person when we were meeting COVID was Jake. Hello. Jake also started with us in person. And then the next person we're going to introduce is fellow worker Nick. Fellow worker Nick started a little bit later after we moved online. Fellow worker Nick, could you say hello to the audience? Hello. Uh, yes, I am a wobbly and possibly a wizard. <laughs> I awesome. Think, I think you might be a cleric. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into the classes. They have some fun classes here. So the first thing I want to discuss is what, what is Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea? Like, what's the concept behind it? It's a different sort of game, slightly from your regular D&D, as it has none of the Tolkien in it. Uh, it's a little bit more based on things like Robert E. Howard, kind of Conan universe. Could anybody else elaborate more on, on, on the concept of what Hyperborea is? Uh, yeah, so this is light. So with Hyperborea, it's sort of classic swords and sorcery. It is primarily all human-based races that you can play. There are no elves, there's no dwarves, there's no halflings. You're all pretty much playing humans. And any non-human that you meet is probably trying to kill you. So um, in this universe, it's a very classic, like I said, swords and sorceries, human-based universe. There's weird science, weird fantasy, weird magic. So you won't be encountering your traditional goblins and orcs and dragons and that type of stuff. Thank you, Light. I like this game. It's the setting is unique and different. I'm not always the biggest with dwarves and elves and things like that. So everybody in the game plays a human. And like the old Conan novels, there's Camarians and Hyperboreans and things like that. So it's a little bit different. The classes are also a bit different. The game system itself is very much based on AD&D first edition and the Osric rules. So if you're familiar with some of those older rule sets, it's it, that's really where we're at here. It goes after some of the old pulp fiction, pulp novels. Like I said, uh, there's Robert E. Howard. There, I know there's supposed to be elements of Lovecraftian stuff in here. I know some of the gods are there, taken from old pulp. I don't see, I haven't seen it as overly Lovecraftian, but I may be also looking at some other things uh, as well when I'm thinking of Lovecraft. Anybody, uh, Nick, 
could you add to that fellow worker nick well i mean the 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 current adventure we're on we've got some pirates that are possessed by an old god's worms so that's pretty <laughs> lovecraftian to me yeah that's pretty that there's uh nasty worms that have been wriggling around in their bodies every time you kill a pirate they keep on popping back up it's horrible you gotta burn the bodies baracha yeah when i heard hyperborea i kept on thinking about the movies and just picture everybody being ripped and wearing loincloths and running around with swords <laughs> like more over the top fantasy more gritty more violent than the normal D, slightly darker and just yeah everybody running around just smashing everything that they can and I'll be honest, like my my character, Logar the Barbarian, is 110% based off of Conan. Like, that was the whole idea. When we started doing this game and it was brought up, it was like, everybody's sitting around rolling up characters. I'm sitting here looking at this like, I just want to play Conan. <laughs> it's like, does anybody mind if I'm the Barbarian, Baracha? Yeah, I started like modeling after Red Sonia, but then it just evolved. <laughs> <laughs> worse. yeah we definitely had those inspirations like so you had mentioned about the lovecrafting elements for this game so i would say within the adventures that we've been playing there's been as a uh, fellow worker nick mentioned some aspects of lovecrafting elements there haven't been as many overt and the reason why is many of the lovecraftian monsters are like very high level hit dice type of creatures so that's why you haven't encountered many of them yet because uh your characters aren't, let's say, powerful enough to run into like an Elder Thing or a Beagle or a Shoggoth. Oh, no. any of those things would probably wipe out the party pretty quickly due we're, to the high level all, the dice. We're all going to die. We get to high levels. We're going to be annihilated. We had one adventure that was set in a, a, a seaside town that was very Shadow over Innsmouth feeling where the fish people had taken over the town and the humans were kind of driven away. And that was a, that was a really fun, fun one there. I want to talk a little bit about the different editions of this game, because if you're looking to play this game, it's not easy to find right now, but there is a new third edition coming out soon. The game came out first with a box set. The box set had the spiral bound printings. They're really cool looking. It's a really nice, set and really nice book it does no color in the printings though it's very old school dnd feeling when you pull them out it came with dice and i i think it may have come with some with them with a full map as well of hyperborea and the setting and some character sheets it's real nice but it's hard to find that box set if you do find it online people are like wanting like three four hundred bucks for it and stuff so you might want to avoid that trying to find that out specifically unless you want to play a collector's item when we started playing at first in person we ordered a pack off the site of the second edition which comes with a large hardback book and there's also a player's guide now the player's manual is just like the first couple chapters from the core book in paperback and it's really useful. It's a more affordable way to get a hold of it. Those usually are still available on the website. Is that Northwinds? Uh, who is it? What is it? What is the name of the company that put this out again? Yeah, it's Northwind RPG. So yeah. it's a small family-based company. And the player handbooks for second edition should still be available on their website. So the player handbooks are easier to get than the core book is itself. The good news is that the core book's been on a lot of various humble bundles and places like that where you can get the PDS for cheap. 
and you can always pick it up on places like drivethroughrpg.com and PDF. Now, the print core book of the second edition is a beautiful accomplishment. Fellow worker, Nick? Oh, actually, you just covered what I was going to say, that you can get a lot of the PDF versions on DriveThruRPG. Yeah, and there's DriveThruRPG. I know they did Humble Bundle, so you might be able to find it somewhere else less expensive. I think that's kind of where a lot of us got the idea to start running this, was, was a Humble Bundle that came out a few years ago. It, it was, because I think um, both you and I got the Humble Bundle. We started reading through it. We were like, hey, this would be pretty cool to play. It'd be a little bit different from our normal uh, Castles and Crit Crusades or D&D type of environment. So we jumped right into it. Yeah, and when we started playing in person, we ended we ordered that, that package at the time they had where you got a core book and you got like four player's guides and some other stuff like maybe a, what else was in that package? I think it had some maybe some character sheets um and maybe the dm screen okay yeah and so some of the players chipped in so much so they could get a player's guide and it worked out well for the game group and one person actually light uh, ordered that so we all were able to i uh, just wanted to comment that the artwork is pretty cool it, the artwork fits with the universe and helps me visualize and get a feel for what's going on a lot of snake people a lot of weird cultish type things going on Last weekend, we actually did the episode on art, and one of the books that we covered was this core book. I am a fan of that back cover, especially. It's gorgeous. It's, it's impressive. The book itself is hardback. It's weighing in under or over, uh, let's see, where are we at? 600 pages. It's got a nice map in the back printed out that it comes with, and at the beginning of each chapter, there's like six different parts, kind of like the different books you get in like a D&D set or something. One on player characters, one on magic, one on the actual combat rules, one on the monsters, and I believe one on running the game itself. If I'm not, if I'm not wrong, there's, yep. is that six? Yeah, there's no. Bichiri, Treasure, there's a Hyperborea Gazette, which yeah, details because, more, you know, the environment, the cities. Yeah, and that gives you kind of a feel for the world and talks about how it's gonna how it's going and what his whole concept is and all that. As I said before, this is highly based on Osric or AD&D. It's I believe it's got a uh, third edition, a third edition OSL statement in the back. So it's an open game license based book, and it is a retro clone. Now, being a retro clone, it uses those old systems, so it's a little bit different than third edition or fifth edition in the way that it plays and one of the big things that sets it out from just playing a clone of a d and d are the character classes they are very specific while they're based on the four core classes they diverge from that baracha so baracha she's a hyperborean berserker and she's pretty much like doesn't feel pain and when she goes into berserk mode, she's pretty unstoppable, like uh, doing multiple multiple swings in a single round, uh, resistant to fire, resistant to a lot of pain, and she can pretty much clobber her way through most things. But I try not to use her berserker rage too much because there's consequences like potentially attacking your, your team members, um, becoming so exhausted that you just get picked off, you get picked off. So I think in the two years, I've only berserked maybe three times in like really dire 
uh, situations where the party's just overwhelmed and we're near death. That's when I'll go berserk. Yeah, I I don't remember you berserking very many times at all. <laughs> I think you did when we were in that strange place with the, the we went to a towers where they were phasing in and out. Uh, like you might be better at explaining what adventure we went through because I don't think that was a Hyperborea specific adventure. No, that was a uh, Catherine's Can Crusade adventure done by James Board called Chaos Untouched. And in that particular adventure, there was um, I won't give everything away, but let's say there was some stuff that was phasing in and out of reality, and it caused a lot of uh, challenges for the characters in that game. And it uh, ended up where they were near death after fighting some other Hyperboreans there, which resulted in uh, Baracha having to berserk. And I think Baracha might have berserked one other time when we were at Port Greeley. Yeah, I think all, all the deep really. ones. Yeah. It, when there's overwhelming numbers or there's like a mega boss that just is crushing us. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I haven't seen it happen a lot yet. Now we have another character, another player who plays. There are they the same class? Is that because I know they do a yes. berserker rage as well, and they they just did recently, and they, we had to make some checks to reel them back in <laughs> when we were fighting those uh, nasty animated worm fellers that were there. I try not to use it too much because I feel like Wolverine goes in berserker rage too often, and it's too controlled and too beneficial. So I don't want to overuse it because then that'll just unbalance the game. So I try to hold back and use it when it really makes sense, where there's like a real sense of danger and things are really dire. Would anybody else like to tell about the character class that they're playing and what sets that character class apart from maybe the classic D&D stuff? Fellow worker, Nick? So I play a rune carver, which is a subclass of the cleric class and Unlike the uh, normal cleric class in like fifth editions, uh, in order for me to cast spells, I actually have to expend hit points. So I'll have to, to cut myself and use the bl my blood to, to actually cast this spell. And the higher the spell, the more hit points I deplenish. So it's a, it's a unique class. I have to, I have to manage my hit points and, uh, Kind of like Baracha was saying, like, I try not to use them that often because they can be kind of overpowered. And at the same time, I'm also trying to manage my hit points because these these old school games are, I want to say, a little bit harder than fifth edition. I play a couple fifth edition games as well. And and the enemies in these old school games hit a lot harder so it's always a hit points management yeah because i think uh last last game we played i think you did more damage to yourself cutting your <laughs> hands open to try to cast out the spells versus like a enemy attack because uh i was like i don't remember hitting you that many times uh nick but um you were down to hit points just from casting so many spells jake i'd like to hear about cold jake <laughs> now wait so, a minute wait a minute but Jake, can you can you let me put something in here? I need I need to address something that I love about Jake. <laughs> what I've loved about playing with Jake is that Jake's characters are mostly named Jake with an adjective. So there's cold Jake, but there's also in another game, short Jake. What other mm -hmm. Jakes have we seen so far? Uh, we did that. What is it? The the Halloween one shot. Yes. The Vassin. I played a priest and I named him Father Jake. Yes, Father Jake. I've Father been enjoying Jake. this. That's right. That scene. Uh, that's a year zero game. I go on about that a lot. Now, Jake, could you tell us about Cold Jake, please? 
yeah, so Cold Jake is a cryomancer. He specializes in ice magic, which I don't have as much experience as you guys with, you know, RPGs and stuff. So I just thought it was a cool concept because it always seemed like, to me, whenever you saw a magic user, it was always about fire. And yes. nobody ever really talked about cold, which it's cool until I run into, like, you know, an undead enemy and <laughs> my spells don't work. <laughs> I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it. The fire, one of the running gags that has been made uh, when death looks like it might be around the corner. I know that Jake has piped up a few times and said it's about time to roll up hot Jake because they do have a, <laughs> a, a magic user who's a more of a pyromancer as well. I think it might be called a pyromancer. Yeah, that's my backup character. <laughs> have you have you rolled up hot Jake yet? No, no, oh. I haven't. <laughs> I, I haven't gotten that desperate. I've we've we've managed to stay alive this long. It's happening somehow. I think it's been by the grace of the of the dungeon master at times. <laughs> I'm not trying to kill you guys. I want you guys to <laughs> enjoy your characters. So I know the very first game that we played was a first level game with uh, rats in the walls, <laughs> and, and, and I think Code Jake and two other people ended up dying multiple times during doing that battle so uh, you know i didn't want to kill kill anybody on the first first module so that's why i've been a little bit more flexible in character death one of my favorite moments in game was in that that ratchet of the walls when the old feller came down and because we were destroying the place trying to kill these rats in his and he asked uh he asked where all that racket was and logar goes the rats are breaking things <laughs> i just really enjoyed that moment for some reason in game it gave me a lot of laughter yeah it seemed like when we did that uh cold jake and logar got uh really well acquainted because <laughs> i kept getting cold jake kept getting poisoned and uh you, logar kept having to suck the poison out of cold jake oh yes i think i i'm almost forgot to talk about my character logar and in, in his class and i've i've got my character sheet here since we've been playing online i have my clipboard full of character sheets and i swap them out one goes behind the other every single game so when it's time to play i know to look at the back of the clipboard for the character sheet logar's a barbarian i believe he's at fourth level or is he at fifth level now I think some of the might be a fifth so unlike with like fifth edition and a lot of the newer games where you roll a 20 sided die and have to roll above a number in order to succeed at a task, this uses a more old school mechanic where you're rolling sixes and twelves. Uh, like, so you succeed on a one or two out of six, or you succeed on a one to seven out of 12. And that's how you succeed. One of Logar's abilities is sucking venom out of a bike. Now, I want to I want to make sure that our our listeners heard kind of what you said. We've been playing, or this group has been playing this game for almost two years, <laughs> and we haven't even reached level five yet. So these <laughs> these are a slower paced game, which in some ways is is really cool because sometimes, you know, in in fifth edition or other Dragons and Dragons games. They go by so fast. I'm playing one where we've been playing maybe six sessions and we're already level five. Well, this has been almost two years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, depending on what kind of pace you like, if you like a slower paced game, this is this is definitely it. And I like the feel of a slower paced game. I do, too. And I'll say that with a lot of our games, we take times with these. Like we're going to spend 
we go into a dungeon, there will be times in some of our games where we'll spend quite a few weeks in that dungeon, clearing it out and taking our time going through it. And we do go up slower than some of the newer games. I guess you could throw people up faster in an older style game, just, you know, by using different methods of level advancement. But taking our time through it, I'm not in any rush to get to super high levels at this point myself. I get excited when we level up, but Logar's a pretty playable character. Logar also, his highest stat is a 15. Oh, it's I cool. think, yeah, we the way that the characters were rolled up, we weren't doing a lot of the newer style things that they do when they roll up characters. <laughs> so you don't get like 18s very often and stuff like that, but. But they've fared very well so far. They've been able to stay alive, and some of that is is running. <laughs> yep. Uh, Baracha, did you have something to say? Oh, yeah. Also, in addition with class, there is race. Uh, yes. adds, that adds a lot of flavor to the game. I play a superior Hyperborean, <laughs> and that affects how I interact with pretty much any other person in the game. So there are certain races like <laughs> picks that I dislike <laughs> and don't want to talk to. And I'm pretty much at the Karen of Hyperborea and just thumb my nose at everything. I think that, that Baracha has taken to lampooning um, certain 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 things that we see nowadays that are that are common. <laughs> yeah, Kojik, would you like to have a have a rebuttal to that one? <laughs> well, uh level level wise, talking about levels, I'm on I think I'm a level five, but I operate at a level six due to some magic items. I do like leveling up, but that's just because the more I level up, the more powerful my spells can get. And I, you know, Cold Jake, he likes to be powerful because physically compared to all these meatheads in the party, (laughs) he doesn't really hold up. But... And then I... I have no comment on the Hyperborean thing because but, picks are better. <laughs> There's a big butt to that. Cold Jake has 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 really been kind of a tank in a way when he come up to some opposition. And Cold Jake has wiped out some baddies pretty quick. Roger does not recognize those kills. <laughs> I mean, there, some of those spells have been pretty powerful and have wiped things out. Fellow worker Nick? Yeah, we also fly around on a uh, a ship that's pretty much ripped out of Star Wars, so <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so it's an Amazonian flying skiff of old technology, so that's why there's a uh, a flying skiff in the game. It's an Amazonian uh, technology skiff, so within the game itself, you have a lot of uh, weird science in the game. So you will find oddball items like flying skiffs, uh, radiation grenades, um, and some other items that I'm not going to reveal in the podcast here because you guys are playing in the game. But <laughs> know that there are science fiction um, type of old technology within this game that makes it quite interesting. I have a question about, and, and that fits very well into a lot of swords and sorcery type fantasy if you've read a lot of that old stuff there wasn't much of a there's often a blurred line there from what we think of science fiction and what we think of as fantasy nowadays like a lot of those old books and book series kind of just merged the two together there wasn't a difference and that's some elements of that i've noticed in here as well like with the flying skiff now i've got a question for light 
like you've been running this for a while and i know like with like one of the things like that cold jake said cold jake is casting spells at pretty high levels and stuff like that because of magic items and some of us may have gotten things is there anything that you think that you would do different if you started this campaign from the beginning again if you go back two years ago what what do you wish you would have known or how, what do you wish you would have done differently is there anything like that that you think you would adjust the game with that way yeah that's a good question you know with the current characters you have especially with coach jake obviously you guys deal out close to whatever 15 points of damage per swing so you know i think if i would have changed anything maybe about three modules ago i might have beefed up some of the monsters just a little bit more so it'd be more challenging because some of the you know boss creatures you guys were fighting you'd wipe out in like two or three rounds type of thing so you know that'll be the really only adjustment i would have made and you know i want people to have fun have a certain level of danger but also you know not try to wipe everybody out in, in one huge tpk every game either so for me you know making sure we balance the um combat with the hit dice with the threat of danger baracha yeah, i just wanted to comment that this game for whatever reason has a high number of one people rolling ones in this game <laughs> <laughs> i like that first very first rats adventure my first two attacks were all ones and one seems to permeate the game a lot at at the worst times ever so i think i'm starting to get a little bit out of that i i've been i was i felt like i was rolling three or four ones in combat every single game for a while there it was like i got another one and you changed dice too i remember you were ordering <laughs> dice in the middle of the game one time you you wrote so many ones that you got oh. you got on ebay and ordered like like three sets of dice oh i did oh i'm coughing myself to death here laughing um yeah i started ordering dice like when we were meeting physically i started ordering dice on my phone to the size like god damn it this dice keeps on rolling once i'm ordering new dice and i pulled out my phone and i started ordering dice in the middle of the game out of anger and uh, i've definitely i found a couple sets of dice that i like and aren't rolling as many ones they do seem to be rolling 20s on initiative and nowhere else but i can live with that <laughs> That's much better. So that has been a problem. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to add to our current discussion of astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea? Uh, we may port Greeley great again. <laughs> we fought the fish. Was that the fish people port Greeley? Did yeah, that, that was, take it over? Yeah, that was the fish people. I mean, they were pretty much deep ones, but I think the term deep ones is trademarked by Chaosium probably. So that's why they call them fish, you know, fish people or half fish people. That's about all we have time for today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it on social media. Check out our website, wobbliesandwizards.com. You can find our Facebook page. Just search Wobblies and Wizards and keep them dice rolling. And may you ever roll ones for all of your checks, at least in my game.